So in 1991, the Chicago Bulls won the NBA championship, go Bulls. Michael Jordan was crowned the finals MVP and the regular season MVP. And that summer, Jordan was undoubtedly the most famous athlete in all the world. Shamelessly capitalizing on Jordan's notoriety, Gatorade released their Be Like Mike commercial. Some of you may remember it. It may well be the most iconic sports commercial of all times. You can check it out later today on YouTube. It featured clips from the Jordan highlight reel that were spliced together with clips from uh, real-life Jordan wannabes. And uh, carefully crafted in the background was music that evoked a really feel-good sales pitch. The message was really simple and really clear, that if you want to be like Mike, you got to drink Gatorade. Don't we just wish it were that simple? <laughs> drink Gatorade and be like Mike. Well, but who do you want to be? Who do you want to be like? Maybe as a high school athlete, athlete, uh, who did you aspire to be like? Or perhaps as a musician or a dancer or an orator, a thespian, a writer, or your, your, your aspiring film director, a pilot, fireman, police officer, a soldier, an architect. Who was it that you wanted to be like? Today, who's your hero? Well, this morning we are going to discover that God actually desires that we all grow to be like Jesus. Let's just pray before we look at his word together. Lord, we're grateful for this day. Thank you for the gifts of health and safety and soundness, the the gift of a brand new day at the start of a brand new week. We thank you that we can rejoice and celebrate with families, parents and grandparents to at, at your gift of new life. Thank you. Lord, we have a lot to be thankful for and we just rejoice. Pray the prayer you taught us to pray our Father in heaven, blessed be your name. We bless your name. We pray for your kingdom to come right here in this room and right next door in Vineyard Kids, Lord, where, where they are learning to love and serve and obey and worship you. Put power on your word to our lives where you know we need it is, is our prayer in your name. Amen. Now, last week, we launched a brand new series of sermons uh, titled, How Do We Grow? And we discovered that Jesus offers hope, hope that he can be our good shepherd and we his sheep that he desires us, as we hear his voice, as the sheep are promised to be able to do, that we can experience a rich and satisfying life. Hope that he can be our vine and we his branches, and that by abiding in him, we can ask for his help in any area of our life, and he promises to meet our needs. Hope that if we are weary and carry heavy burdens, that Jesus will actually give us rest. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Hope that we can grow and change, that we don't have to be uh, the people that we are. We can, we can actually grow and change. We can become new and different people. And like Nicodemus, the Jewish teacher that came to Jesus by night, that we can actually come into God's kingdom by being born from above through the person of the Holy Spirit. I invited all of us to consider the question, if we could grow in one area or even change one thing about ourselves, who we are, how we think, uh, what we say, what we do, how we react, what would it be? Now today I'd like to challenge us even one step further by asking, who are we to grow uh, to uh, change to be like? And I would like to suggest that every Christian is supposed to grow 
to be like Jesus. Now, another way that we could say it is that the trajectory for every follower of Christ is Christ-likeness. Now, that's not just religious wishful thinking, kind of like God dangling the carrot on the stick to keep us striving on the straight and narrow, to give us something to, uh, to, with which to keep occupied so we don't get messed up with sin. No, he, he, he actually calls us to Christ-likeness. This really is God's desire. We see it expressed in a number of ways in the New Testament. You might want to open your Bible or your Bible app to the uh, fourth chapter of Ephesians. On your way there, I'm going to read several other texts. First John chapter 2, the apostle said, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. The apostle Paul says when he writes to the church at Rome in the 8th chapter, the 29th verse, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Now, if you've arrived there in Ephesians 4, in this uh, text, in the beginning in the 11th verse, we read, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The Apostle Paul framed God's desire this way in 2 Corinthians, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him, Jesus, as we are changed into his glorious image. Well, I think it's pretty clear from these four texts that God's intention is for us as his followers to actually look like his son, Jesus. In what we think, what we say, what we do, how we react, what we value. And it's with all affection that I can say as I look around the room this morning, knowing most of you, that I think we've got some growing up to do. The last I checked, uh, none of us look completely like Jesus yet. There's some distance between where we are and where Jesus is. We could call that distance between us the gap. Not the clothing store, but the gap. The gap represents those areas of personal and spiritual growth and our ability to affect others positively in the kingdom of God. These these areas of growth that need to take place in our lives in order for us to change to look like Jesus. Now, the phrase, mind the gap, was introduced in 1969 on the London Underground, called the Tube, as a warning to uh, passengers on the train that they were to take caution as they crossed the gap between the train door uh, and the station platform. Uh, some, some of the rail stations were actually uh, curved 
and and the train cars were straight. And so depending on where you landed on the platform, there could have been a sizable distance. And so this phrase, mind the gap, became popular in the late 60s, and then it, it uh, propagated around the world. But perhaps we could change up the phrase to close the gap. As just as a way of encouraging our growth to Christ likeness, it could become a, a, a euphemism or a vineyard code word or, you know, just a fancy or silly expression, as it were. Just a way of like indicating the, uh, that there, uh, the reality that there is a gap between where we are and where Jesus is and, and the space that we have to grow. Now we certainly can't close the gap by our own efforts. Our own strength, sheer willpower and determination, gritting our teeth and, and, uh, uh, you know, exclaiming like the little engine that could, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. No, um, Christianity is not a glorified self-improvement program. No doubt we could all benefit with a little self-improvement. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not Christianity. We close the gap by fully surrendering our lives to Jesus, every pocket of our lives to Jesus. And when we do that, we discovered last week that we are initially changed by the Holy Spirit in what Jesus calls the birth from above or the new birth, a strange, mysterious process whereby we can see the effects but can't really fully understand the theological or uh, 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 roots of it. He says, you'll, you'll never really know how it happens, but, but when it does happen, in the same way that you see the wind blowing through the trees and can hear and see the effects, you don't know where the wind comes from or where it goes, but you can see its effect. So it is of everyone that's born by the Spirit or born from above. You can see the effects of a changed life, that we aren't the same person we used to be. So closing the gap starts with experiencing the birth from above, and then we continue to grow and change to narrow the gap, close the gap, as we invite the Holy Spirit, who now lives in us as followers of Christ, and 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 invite him in to continue to cause us to look more and more like Christ, and then we cooperate willingly with him in the process. So we grow up into the people that he's destined us to be as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Now, this process is beautifully described by the Apostle Paul a little later in Ephesians 4, if you're still there. Look with me down to um, uh, verse 21, or 22. Let's start in 22. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And so here Paul is describing uh, this process of closing the gap, growing up to look like Christ. And the fancy theological term for that is sanctification. Now, don't let that ominous religious-sounding word scare you. It it just simply means um, to set a person or a thing apart for its intended use. That's what to sanctify means, to to set a person or thing apart for the use intended by its creator. So a pen in the chair pocket in front of you is is sanctified when it's used to fill out the connect card. The coffee cup that numbers of you are holding is sanctified when it's used to carry coffee 
or tea, as it were. That's what the word sanctified means. In the theological sense, things are sanctified when they are used for the purpose that God intends. And so people are sanctified when he or she lives according to God's design and purpose. That is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's when we are fully sanctified, when we are conformed to the image of Christ. That's God's destiny. That's the reason we were created. And what we're saying is that that's a process. It's a, it begins when we surrender. It continues as we invite God to be at work in our, in our mind and our will and our emotions and our bodies and our relationships. And it's going to come to a completion someday. Now, when Jesus returns, if we're still living when that event happens, or if we meet him after our resurrection because we pass before he returns, the Bible tells us that we are someday going to experience a complete transformation. The job of sanctification will be complete. We're going to receive a new and glorified body that will live forever. And the theological term for that is glorification. Our bodies will be somewhat like they are now, but we don't know completely what they'll be like other than that they'll be perfect. And so this process of sanctification is like we have been changed by our initial act of love and commitment and surrender to Jesus at whatever age that takes place. We are currently being changed as we cooperate with the indwelling Holy Spirit, and we will someday be totally transformed, and the change will be complete. It's a process. Now, let me be quick to add that this growth towards Christ-likeness is a lifelong journey. Much of the growth and change that takes place in our lives doesn't come in one huge moment, uh, but rather incrementally, slowly, over time. We, we know this, but we don't often reflect upon it. You know, our, our bodies change slowly. Our families change slowly. Uh, we develop new habits and skills slowly. And so most of our growth towards Christ-likeness occurs slowly over time as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Now, in some ways, it's not even all that noticeable. You remember when you were younger and you had aunts and uncles that, you know, you'd show up at a family reunion or at their house at Christmas. You hadn't, they hadn't seen you for a while and they'd rub your fuzzy little crew cut head. Oh, Benny, look, you know, you've like grown a lot since the last time we said, I hated it when they called me Benny. <laughs> they'd rub my little crew cut head, you know, that my dad gave me a haircut, you know, until I fell asleep in the eighth grade in the chair. And then I said, that's it. No more haircuts for me, you know. But, you know, you didn't think when you were younger, oh, my, I'm really growing. No, because growth was incremental, wasn't it? You, you didn't feel like you were growing, even though the attestation to your aunts and uncles and cousins was that you were really growing. It didn't feel like you were growing in their absence, is my point. So most of the growth that we experience is incremental. Now, it, it is to be sure that there are moments, uh, dramatic moments, where we experience God's supernatural powerful intervention, and we grow quickly. And we long for these moments. Uh, our, our heart is, is leaning for these at God's sovereign intervention. We, we love these. And it, it might happen today in a prayer exchange at the conclusion of our service. We, we welcome people to receive prayer every Sunday because we believe that the kingdom of God is here, and at any one moment, God can break in 
and the power and blessings of the age to come when it's total and complete actually come into the present. Signs and wonders and miracles. It can happen in your small group when you gather together through the course of the week and and uh, spend time praying for each other at the, at the close of your meetings. It can happen in a time of personal devotion or worship where maybe you're connecting with God in nature, in the mountains or at the at the beach. Maybe when you go to a conference or a retreat or maybe some other uh, worship service, these opportunities can can give God a moment to, to to work something powerful and dramatic. And these high watermarks can catapult us forward. And for them, we, we are really grateful. No doubt, numbers of you have experienced these dramatic moments where we grow quickly. But the majority of our Christian life, we experience growth that is incremental. It's slow. Um, it's... It's like what Paul said in Ephesians 4. It's the throwing off of the old habits, the old person, and it's putting on the new way of life, putting on the new man or the new woman, walking left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, every day making a decision to surrender to Jesus and to say, Lord, conform me to the image of Christ. May the decisions I make and the things that I do today reflect you at work in my life. I surrender, I worship, I obey, one day at a time, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. That's the, the way most of us experience growth and change. In this way, there, there is no one program for growth towards Christ-likeness. There's no one template. There's no one-size-fits-all. There's no one curriculum other than what we've called the school of the Holy Spirit. Now, through the church and its history over the last 2,000 years, we, we've done a a great job at developing programs and approaches to discipleship and classes and catechisms and confessions and creeds and prayers, all in an effort to help people grow. And for these, we are grateful. To the degree that they've benefited any of us or any of the saints through history, we praise God for them. They have been good, but we have erred thinking that well, just this one program or just this one size of approach fits everybody. And if everybody just did this, then we'd all grow to Christ-likeness. It's just not true. What is true is that Jesus is our goal, and the Holy Spirit who lives in Christ followers is the agent of change to get us from where we are to where we want to be, to close the gap. The Holy Spirit is the agent. And God will use like lots of things in your life to grow you up. Have we found this out to be true? Things that maybe even surprised you that, that you were not prepared for, uh, uh, that, that you did not intentionally cultivate, but like took you by surprise, a test or a trial or a difficult circumstance or, or a challenging relationship. And then other things he, he will use that you intentionally cooperate with. You set yourself to study or read or pray or, or worship or, or confess or participate in. Or some other combination of things that maybe you started and he initiated or he followed or, or he initiated and you followed. But most of the time, our growth comes incrementally over time. The point is, it's a lifelong journey. We want to be a part of blessing wherever you're at on the journey. Wherever you're at on this journey of lifelong conformity uh, towards Christ-likeness. 
sanctification, growing to be like Jesus, or closing the gap, or whatever language you've used. We want to say, in the vineyard, we want to bless where you're at. We want to bless what's working. We want to encourage you to keep it up. We we honor where you're at. We don't want to shame anybody thinking like, if you're here, well, then, you know, you really got, I got to get it together to get a little more mature. You know, because really on the scale of Christ-likeness, I think we're all kind of like back there. You know what I mean? I don't see a lot of little Jesuses running around Vineyard Peoria yet. <laughs> but we do want to play a role in helping you find uh, discover, follow Jesus, and grow to be the person he wants you to be. Now, when I was young, that's a long time ago, I know, our family didn't own a television. True story. It was against the church rules. But I learned early on that I could circumvent those rules by going over to our neighbors, the Dooley brothers. Good Catholic family. They had a TV. And at 4 o'clock, we watched Captain Jinx and Salty Sam. It was a locally produced show, Channel 25, WMED. You can still watch it on YouTube. It was great. 4 o'clock, Captain Jinx and Salty Sam followed at 5 o'clock by The Adventures of Superman. Black and white television series that opened with the famous words, and some of you can quote them with me, faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yeah, see, some of you are about my age. (laughs) Now, every kid that I knew at Keller West, now Lindbergh, wanted to be like Superman. It, It wouldn't be for another 24 years that we all wanted to be like Mike. Now, Jesus was not Superman, but if Jesus had a TV show, what would we have seen? Well, if we look and drill down in the spirit of irreducible simplicity to the Gospels, to the life and ministry of Jesus, what do we see there? What is it that we're actually aiming at? You know, to hit something, you got to have a target. Right? If we want to have a life goal, then we've got to define it. What does it look like? Well, I see Jesus, and this is Ben's like really simplistic spirit of irreducible simplicity, getting drilling things down to their their simplest form, shape, color, texture, whatever. I see that Jesus lived at the intersection of three spheres of life. This is how I see the Gospels, Christ likeness. First, Jesus cultivated a genuine relationship with God the Father. The second sphere is that he lived in authentic community with the 12 disciples. And thirdly, he compassionately and powerfully extended the kingdom of God to others, God's love, his truth, and his mercy. And at the intersection of those three spheres is Christ-likeness. If we want to look like Jesus, that's what our life needs to look like, according to the Gospels. In the center, Christ-likeness, the truth of God is embraced, the fruit of the Spirit is cultivated, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, and the gifts of the Spirit are practiced naturally, supernaturally. The gifts, the truth, and the fruit in the center. We want to look like Jesus, that's where we need to go. So from where we are to get to that is the gap. 
And I think it's safe to say we've all got plenty of work to do. That's, that's not to shame you or make anyone feel guilty. It's just to acknowledge that we've all got things to do as we close the gap. That's why we want to grow. Now, we'll spend the balance of our time this morning making a few observations about the first, uh, cultivating a genuine relationship of intimacy with God. And then over the next two weeks, we'll unpack how closing the gap in the next two, living in authentic community and extending the kingdom of God, can actually cause us to grow. When you look closely at Jesus, we'll see that he modeled a relationship, a genuine relationship of intimacy with God the Father. Jesus was God who came as a man, total God, total man, filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he did nothing on his own, but rather only did what he saw the Father doing. I think we could say it this way. He only took initiative at God the Father's direction. In fact, Jesus claimed on more than one occasion that he and the Father were one. And he spent time cultivating an intimate relationship with God. We see glimpses of this all through the four Gospels. It's not uncommon to see that prayer played a very vital role in Jesus' relationship with the Father. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, you can see the text reads that Jesus would often rise early and get alone with God in a solitary place to pray. And those snapshots are through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The scriptures also played a really vital role. Does it surprise you that that Jesus had large chunks of the law and the prophets memorized? He would often just be quoting, well, and the scriptures said, or the word of God says. Actually, it was very common practice for Jewish boys to have the entire Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, memorized by the time that they were bar mitzvah as an early teenager. Jesus quoted from the Old Testament scriptures 78 times in the four Gospels. Specifically, he quoted from the books Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Amos, Jonah, Micah, Malachi. From memory, which tells me that he highly valued the scriptures and spent a lot of time in them. Prayer, study, memorization, meditation of the word of God. Now, these two activities are frequently referred to today as the disciplines of the faith. And there are others that Jesus practiced. Worship, fasting, solitude. Serving, giving. Disciplines are simply the activities of heart and mind and body that create opportunity for the Holy Spirit to act. I like to think of them as like a, an airport landing strip. We provide a place for the Holy Spirit to come. The disciplines themselves don't change anything. They're just religious activity. Many of us have maybe experienced them that way. But when in earnest, sincere submission and surrender to the will of God, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, they can provide a place for us to actually grow. And the two primary ones that we see in Jesus' life, prayer and study and memorization uh, and interacting with the Father through the Scriptures, are the two primary components 
in cultivating his intimate relationship with God the Father. Perhaps no other two activities in terms of the historic disciplines of the faith. No other activities beyond prayer and the reading and studying and meditating and memorization of the scriptures have the capacity to connect us with God and enable us to actually hear his voice and be changed by the Holy Spirit. No other, no other uh, disciplines have that capacity. And so I just think it'd be helpful to pause and reflect for a moment, looking in the mirror of your life, looking at the gap. Where are you at in cultivating an intimate relationship with God, especially connecting with the Father through prayer and the Word? It's just between you and the Holy Spirit. If we want to grow to be like Christ, if we want to do everything Jesus did, then we have to do everything that Jesus did. Okay, you can think about that for a little while. If we want to do everything that Jesus did, then we have to actually do everything that Jesus did, like pray and be a a man or a woman of the Scripture. And so I just hold the mirror up. If Christ-likeness is our goal, then where are we at on that journey? And I'm just only sharing it for you to consider as an area that maybe we want to lean into to grow. I'm going to wrap it up by sharing just a a couple of other thoughts about the progressive uh, growth model of sanctification, which is just a fancy way of saying we we grow incrementally over time towards Christ-likeness. It's important to understand that the fruit in our lives comes from its root. That is, our behaviors spring from our beliefs and values. An apple tree bears apples. Thank God for that at this time of year, right? A pear tree bears pears, not vice versa. You don't get pears from apple trees, nor do you get apples from pear trees. Pine trees bear pine cones. Oaks bear acorns, not vice versa. As the root, so the fruit. As the root of belief and value in our hearts and minds, so the fruit of behavior in our lives. Jesus' life and ministry were the product of who he was on the inside, at the root. That he was intimately connected with God the Father. His heart and his mind and his life were formed and shaped by the scriptures, by prayer. They made him who he was. The external behaviors of his life grew out of his internal beliefs and values. His behaviors, the fruit we could call it, was uh, formed and shaped by his internal beliefs or the roots. And that's why the Apostle Paul, who knew this well, began... uh, in Romans 12, with these words, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he'll accept. There's the portion that talks about surrender. This is the way to truly worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but listen now. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. All growth towards Christ-likeness, experiencing personal and spiritual growth, sanctification or change, all growth towards Christ-likeness begins with changing the ways we think. 
through the Holy Spirit's power that lives inside of us, we can actually modify our behaviors, the fruit, our actions, our emotions. How? By changing the roots, what it is we think, value, and believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I like to call this process just proactive thinking, just to give it a label. It's the application of the truth that our behaviors, our fruit, flows out of our beliefs, our roots. Fruit comes from the roots. And if we want to effectively modify our behavior to look more like Jesus, then we need to examine the beliefs that support that behavior. we got to get down to the roots. Real change starts with what we believe. And I just leave you with that challenge today. Now, this starting, starting, startlingly simple but powerful concept is something that I'd like to like unpack much more slowly. And so o- over the next uh, three Monday nights, on the 23rd, the 30th, and the 7th of October from 7 to 9, we're just going to look at, for those that, that are, are able to join us and those that aren't, we'll, we'll post it up on, a, on our podcast, a class called Thrive. Thrive by Proactive Thinking. And we're going to slow the process of, of changing and modifying our beliefs so that our, our behavior can be uh, uh, amended to look more like Jesus. We're going to slow that process down and actually flesh it out and illustrate how does this actually work um, in this uh, three-week class called Thrive by Proactive Thinking. We'll start a week from Monday, the 23rd, the 30th, and then again on the 7th of October. Because I, I really, um, I, I mean this with all my heart, that, that until we understand this component, that all growth towards Christ-likeness begins with changing our mind, we're going to be stuck in the same patterns for the rest of our life. Well, today we rejoiced with Stephen and Christine and Jeff and Amy and Lamar and Tanya and Andrew and Laura as they dedicated their little ones to God. That was awesome. In the years ahead... Uh, friends and family, those in our church family are going to be privileged to watch Carolyn and Henry and Hudson and Ellery grow and change to be the people that God's destined them to be. That's going to be exciting. In a similar fashion, God's design for each of us as his children is to grow personally and spiritually into Christ's likeness, to grow into being the people that he's actually created us to be, sons and daughters of the living God, set free from the power of sin, made new, created in the image of God capable of rising above sin and defeat to grow to look like Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to press into that, to grow personally and spiritually. That's our goal. Understandably, we have a ways to go as we close the gap. But thankfully, God gives us his very personal and powerful presence through the Holy Spirit and makes it possible. And he gives us each other in our church family to both support and encourage and challenge each other in that process. And I'm excited for the journey that's ahead. So we're going to celebrate that in worship right now. Lord, we thank you that you give us a vision for where we can go. Christ-likeness, that it isn't just Pollyannish, like uh, hope for, maybe-ish. No, you, you actually call us to look like you, and you empower us by the Holy Spirit to do that. I thank you that you didn't leave us on the scrap heap of our own way of life, but you called us to something bigger and more uh, powerful, Lord, as sons and daughters, men of the living and women of the living God, to reflect you. Lord, I pray that as we lean into growth, that you'd put power and anointing in each of our lives 
that we might grow to be more like you, where we work and live and learn and play and do life. And now, Lord, as we worship you through the, the giving of our gifts and an offering and the lifting of our hearts and hands in song, we pray that you'd receive these for what they are, tokens that say we love you. We want our lives to count in your name. Amen.